Good evening, Commanders, and welcome to episode 131 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Colin, Commander Phoenix Defier Ford, and joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode, we have our favourite bartender, Grant Psycho-Cal Wolcott. Good evening! I don't know why I've got that voice on. Hold on a second, I do. That's better. Um, <laughs> there's a little frog in my throat that just let out. Really? That's normally the voice of kittens on your nads, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. They, they, oh, seriously, I look like I'm an extra from a Saw movie. Okay, moving on from there, we also have um, our resident commander in charge of entertainment, Chris Jarvis. Hello, how are we doing? Oh, we've got an extra guest commander on the show this evening. Hello. 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 Are you going to bed? Yeah. You're going to bed, are you? Yes. You're going to be good for mummy. Yeah, I am. Okay, no, no, that's sweetheart. <laughs> yes, hello. How are you guys doing? That was adorable. Yes. Yes. And that <laughs> voice there you will find is, well, he's, he's back from daddy duty. And, and duty duty. So, command, welcome back, our head of health and safety, Commander Ed Levice himself, Ed Moss Woodward. Is it safe to get weed on? I can't just quite decide. It's clean enough, isn't it? It's normal. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, as as being a, a father myself, I'm quite glad that 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 particular part of the uh, process is all finished with, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, it's, uh, we, it's one of those things that you never expect you're going to be saying in your life is when you go when you look at something like what's that? Oh, it's only weed. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, daughters need baths, so you get them changed, and then you know, mummy says, "Right, I'm ready for her," and you carry her up the stairs, and she decides, hmm. and now she's probably going to be mortally scarred for the rest of her life if she ever overhears this again ah, well it's Yay. up to you to hide it then it's <laughs> one for the wedding yes. <laughs> once it's on and the internet it can never escape yes those horrible f- uh, baby photos which go horribly wrong are, are one of yeah. the favourite things to, to look up on the internet for those kind of things So, um, we'll just quickly catch up with where everybody in the crew has been. Uh, Commander Fozza would have been with us tonight, but thankfully he's off to to watch a Scottish comedian by the name of Billy Connolly. Not that any of us are jealous in any way whatsoever. But uh, beside that, Brant, how's your week been so far? Yeah, it's it's been... uh, uh... Oh, Craig, it's one of those weeks you get to end of it. Of course, we had the Hopers cycle for charity on the weekend on Saturday. Uh, so we were broadcasting from 10am to Craig, I think it was like <coughs> quarter to five. It was a, it was a, an epic stream of many cats. A new thing for my cats was to jump on my back while I was broadcasting and then use me as a platform to jump on the green screen behind me and uh, promptly fall off it. 
So we had this point in the broadcast where cats were falling from behind me. It was very, <laughs> very bizarre. It was a fantastic day. They raised oh, close to two and a half thousand on Hober's particular account, and on nearly over just over five hundred pounds on one of the other riders, which you know netted them a total of three thousand, with which worked out about three thousand seven hundred with gift aid. So a mammoth uh, amount raised in uh, a, what was a hysterical day, actually. It was really good fun. And Flossie sitting at home, and every time we were talking to you, you could hear the squeak, squeak, squeak <laughs> from her chair. Um, <laughs> it was just one of these days. The, hi- the highlight definitely happened to be as we all re- began to reach the, the end, and uh, the, the, the cyclist had uh, arrived at their destination, and, and Flossie was, I think, point seven of a mile out uh, and then it was just nothing but in the twitch chat come on Flossie you can do it and we were just you know bigging it up and getting her through that last mile I've not seen her yet I don't know if she's able to walk um certainly an awful lot of the the cyclists there was five of them aren't able to sit down (laughs) (laughs) but it was an amazing effort so they managed to do the 50 miles in just under four hours once you put it you know take out the pub break at the middle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yes, the the legendary pub and fag break, which was. Uh, I say just yeah. under four hours. It was actually just under five. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll just we'll just point out to our American listeners when we say pub and fag break, we do mean cigarette, just in case anybody gets the wrong idea. I just use the language of the hober, and that's what he always does every blooming week when we're doing broadcasts. He's going, "Have I got time for a fag and a piss?" And you're like going every week, hober. Every <laughs> week. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> so he did bring now I'm sure he is resting and recovering well as were the other riders that joined him and it was just a very special day uh, quite draining and then it's been um, packing and getting the kit organised with uh, Simuf up here today we were in ripping it out and checking what we've got and double checking and he's currently measuring the microphone cables we've done all the rest of them to get them all packed up and ready for Fantasticon and also to get awesome. plans in place for um, what you can only describe as next year's spectacular as it's going to be Lavecon because um, we've got some interesting ideals and we're just making sure we've got the kit in place to be able to do them well uh, I would look forward to the Lavecon thing <clears throat> yes, never mind. So moving on, uh, we'll yeah. have a quick word with with Ben Moss Woodward. Have you actually had any time to play the game? I've had a wee bit of time to play the game. Um, I've had enough time to basically fly from Jackson back. Um, I actually got back down here, and you know the only time the only machine I could play it on was my laptop. So I was just playing. I was just jumping and scooping in the middle of nowhere. So I didn't want to try and avoid lap planets and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's okay when you're flying back from Jacks, because I don't need a hot ass. I can do it all keyboard and mouse or on the gamepad. It's not a problem. And yeah. you know, and I just like I wanted to get myself back to back to the bubble, to basically do go and try and do something in the Guardians, because you know, Col- the Colonia system is absolutely gorgeous. I love it. And I feel, I feel really quite bad that I'm not, you know, I'm now approaching the bubble again. Actually, I'm probably in the bubble now, and you know, I don't have this glorious um, nebula all around me, just making the sky look so beautiful. I don't have clouds of neutron stars just below me to 
destroy me. Um, I don't have, you know, um, black dwarfs just on my doorstep. Yeah, I really... It is a beautiful part of the galaxy that I miss. But <laughs> at the moment, it doesn't have the infrastructure. And I wanted to return to the bubble to... What the heck wow. was that? Um, I wanted to return to the infrastructure. I wanted to get my... I wanted to sort of get engineers back. I wanted to try and do some passenger things. I wanted to just... I wanted to, just, I wanted a fighter bay. Yeah. I'm I'm bored of flying my anaconda. I want something that is actually easy, better to fly. Yes, I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, well, of course, the good news that you'll you'll have is that recently someone has managed to get to Jacks and back in less than eight hours, isn't it? Using I heard these, that. Yes. There's the neutron. Um, someone has mapped all the neutron stars to Jacks and back, so you can go to Jacks and back uh, in eight hours. Uh, of course, neutron star uh, fuel scooping is very difficult. Well, not difficult, but it is dangerous. So, word of warning if you're going to do that, Commanders, and we'll have more on that later in the show. In the meantime, um, Head of Entertainment, Commander Thane himself, Chris Jarvis, what have you been up to this week? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can we, can yes, we hear can. you now? Yes, we excellent. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, in, in true Lave Radio podcast fashion, I've been eating. Um, and I do apologise for a large stretch of that because I genuinely believed I was talking to you via microphone, which I had muted. And then I realised while I was sitting there and eating that actually it was the webcam microphone that was on. So you're probably just hearing, you know, everything. But uh, anyway, I'm here. And uh, yeah, I've been, I don't know. I mean, escape velocity. It just, it just feels like a jerk, knee jerk reaction at this point. I've been doing yeah. escape velocity. Um Today, I've uh, said to the I've said to the patrons, uh, and uh, I suppose I should tell everybody else as well <laughs> that the, the this Sunday's episode is going to have to be pushed back a week um, because I've got one particular actor that I need to come in and uh, reprise a part for this episode, uh, and I've not been able to get in touch with them. Um, so I've, I have now managed to kind of speak to them, and, and they're able to record next week. But it does mean I'm not going to be able to obviously put that episode out Sunday night. So, well, what that means is there'll be an episode, a new episode of Escape Velocity Series Three, on Sunday the twentieth instead of whatever it was going to be this Sunday the thirteenth, um, and that won't affect the season finale. So the season finale will still be on the twenty seventh, and I'm planning to do a bit of an event of it. I'm going to do a kind of. <clears throat> Without committing myself to times, I'm going to do a kind of all-day stream, um, and I'm going to be doing some stuff and some giveaways and some streaming and yada yada yada, uh, and it's going to be great. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things I'm going to do is because obviously some of the rewards that the backers get for supporting Escape Velocity is they they've been getting a bunch of stuff throughout the course of the series, uh, and what I didn't want to have is is people who've kind of discovered the series you know, as they've been going out, kind of looking at it and thinking, oh, well, I'm, I'm too late to come in on that. So I'm going to work out some kind of one day pledges effectively that people can do on that final Sunday. Um, so if they come along to the season finale and they they pledge these one off things on the day, they can kind of catch up with all the stuff that's happened throughout the course of the series. So that'll include the, the backer only USB cards and they'll get all the stuff that's been released to those various levels throughout the course of the series. 
so that's kind of you know that that's my way of kind of allowing people to to catch up if they want to because those usb cards i think you know unless there's a sort of change in terms of the licensing of frontier um they're going to be for backers only and they'll probably never be seen again so <laughs> there you go so if you do want to find out about that <clears throat> go along to patreon.com forward slash radio theater workshop or go to escape velocity.laveradio.com and there's links and stuff and uh yeah so it's just that really well it does sound interesting um and yeah i must admit i was looking forward to uh leave radio uh, sorry to escape velocity this weekend but uh so you I. know if if, <laughs> if if it's if it's not ready it's not ready but uh we can wait we can wait we're quite happy indeed, to wait indeed. i think yeah, so yeah as far as myself is concerned well uh let's see i've had to um i've, I've actually had to take a little bit of a break from elite dangerous for the last couple of uh for uh, a few days, mostly because if if, uh, if I don't take a break every now and again, then um, basically you end up going a bit space mad, I think. Uh, but one of the things that um, I have been playing is that I actually got Batman Arkham Knight running properly on my machine. Uh, I know this is a oh. bit of a sore point with you, Chris, but uh, <laughs> but I, I actually had it running, and it, my machine's not a top spec machine. Yeah, it seems to be running just as well as the Xbox version, which I'm I'm quite happy about. So I I have been basically pretending to be the Batman for the last uh, for the last couple of couple of days, which has been quite enjoyable. Uh, yeah, it's one within... of those. It's one of those frustrating ports. There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to why it works well on one PC and another. I mean, systems. I mean, systems like mine, like a I run a, a GeForce 660, and there are people with 660s running it on ordinary hard drives who've said the game runs absolutely fine, and yet you can have like a 1080 and an SSD drive and masses of memory, and the game runs like an absolute dog. There just doesn't mm. seem to be. You know any consistency behind the performance of that game? Yeah, I I, st I do appreciate the fact that I got very lucky with it. Uh, so, but apart from that, uh, within the game itself, um, I have been flying around in fighters in my T9. I have never ever wanted to fly into uh, USSs before, especially if the combat uh, weapon fire has been detected. But I am now just because I'm enjoying flying the fighters so much. So. Um, <laughs> I am no longer scared of being a trader. <laughs> um, I got involved with, uh, uh, with a little bit of a uh, a mix-up uh, a couple of days ago where I, I went into a CSA, uh, uh, unidentified signal source. Um, there was one Imperial Eagle, but what I didn't realize was a pirate had actually said, I'm coming to get you in my comms channel. And when you get that and you drop out of warp, that pirate will actually be there waiting for you in real space. I don't know whether or not anybody else has had this. So instead of just taking on what I thought was an Imperial Eagle, uh, my T9 and its appropriate fighter had to take on an Imperial Eagle and an Imperial Clipper. So that that was a bit of a... Uh, uh, actually, a sphincter-twitching moment, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Outside of the game itself, well, um, I've mostly been doing a lot of uh, publishing planning. Uh, I've been asked to supply a publishing plan for the project which I have been working on. So um, 
as long as I uh, submit it and it gets in the pile, then uh, I just a, a case of uh, sit back and wait to see if anybody uh, picks up on it and approves on it. And also, um, like Grant, uh, I've got to do some prep work for heading over to Hull. Uh, I'll be running a, an Elite Miniatures game session there with Dave Hughes uh, RPGs. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to put some uh, finalized details on any last-minute rule changes. So, yes, it's going to be a busy couple of weeks. So I think uh, moving on, we have newsletter 149. Now, um, has anybody else read this newsletter? Because for... I know we've had very, very sparse newsletters lately, but this one does seem to have a little bit of meat in it. Will this be the second crash site that you're on about or something else? Well, it's the second crash site, yes. Uh, and then also, when you look down further down the, the list, you'll see that there are new ship packs. Now, I've, I don't think we mentioned it previously. Um, there was also new ship kits that came out last week as well. So, I mean, have you have you had the chance to look over any of the new paint packs and, and ship colours? I I had a quick look, but I don't have a Corvette or a Cutter. So I was like, okay, that's nice. Moving on. <laughs> um, but if I remember correctly, I did see there were... There was a... As you say, there was that pack that had... Was the Eagle variant and the Sidewinder variant or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they looked really quite nice. They're a bit more money, but it's gives it's giving you the uh, some nice looking skins, which I I'm sure they are in there, but I don't I didn't recognise it. But it could just be because I've not looked at them for ages. Um, and yeah. the and the model packs. Yeah, yeah. I will say that the, I don't know how long it's been there, but I noticed the um, the the add on bits for the vulture look quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Although I saw a nice bug with that actually, where they're not casting a shadow. No, that's right. Presumably, the shadows that are cast in the game are pre-calculated based on the the basic ship model, so they don't yeah. take things like spoilers and wings into account, which is a real pity. Um, I'm sure it'll be fixed at some point. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I must admit, I am tempted by the the Asp pack. Just to to give my uh, my Asp Explorer a little bit of a bit of a customized job, I do have the Lavecon skin on mine at the moment, so it's nice and fiery and orange. So it probably makes me an easier target against the black of space. If I could interject, I am I am currently sporting the Lavecon skin on my Anaconda as well, and it is a beautiful thing. Mm. So. Um. Um, Oh, do we, do we know who did the the artwork for that? Because we would definitely like to give him a thank you salute. Oh, that's for sure. Isn't it chart? I, I I don't know. That's why I was asking. <laughs> I, I I think it's chart. So thank you, chart. It certainly was. They, yeah, it's, they, it certainly they, was last year. Yeah, well, but they look fantastic. So thank you very much. He looks so so pretty. Yeah, I know. Oh, we're so spoiled, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, um, further down the, um, uh, <coughs> I mean, further down the, the uh, newsletter, we have a whole load of additional community goals and 
Uh, there are two things that are coming out at the moment, which is the Distant Stars Expedition, which is another one of these expeditions that uh, Dr. Kai uh, is organizing. Now, if, if I remember rightly, is this the, the, the expedition that's going to be the suicide one? <laughs> I believe it is. It's the suicide one to the top of the galaxy or something. Yes, yes, which means that you have to use neutron stars to get to the top of the galaxy, uh, but there's no way to get back. Oops. <laughs> well, you know, it's like it's, it's like it's, it's obviously it's not a ma- not a NASA mission. <laughs> they they like to go to the moon and return. You know, unlike Elon Musk, who Mars. Yes, that that is a that is one of the uh, the things about the first generation of Mars uh, explorers. They don't expect them to come back. Yeah. Okay, not sure I'd take that one up to be honest. Um, so next week there's, a, there's going to be well actually it's Thursday isn't it there will be a um, on November the 10th yes Thursday that will be the battle of the community managers uh, which is uh, the Don, Zach and <laughs> the Don, Zach will be up against um, his hairness Ed Lewis and uh, we're going to have to sort of pitch in on that one Just everyone choose a side uh, and take the other ones out and um, let's see. Is there, I mean, is there anything else that stood out to you in the uh, in the newsletter apart from the subject that we're going to go right into? I did like the fuel rats cheese storage device, uh, which <laughs> I, I thought that was a nice little video, a nice little page that the fuel rats did, you know, explaining what all these triangles of the monoliths actually are, and it's for storing hydrogen cheese. I, I that tickled my sense of humour. Yes, that, that 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 did seem, <laughs> and that is very typical fuel rat sense of humour. I think, yeah. yeah. Now there was one other little item of development news that seems to have kind of slipped under the radar. I've had nothing official said about it in Frontier, but they have gone and changed um, the the horizons. Oh, how do you call it? Time span for the season, uh, and it. Originally, Horizons was supposed to last a year like the original release was. So we were looking Christmas to Christmas, really. However, due to delays uh, and so on, it does look as if that slipped. And they have changed the wording on the website saying that Horizons will continue into 2017. Yeah, as expected. Yeah, I think everybody expected that as soon as the... uh, Two point one was delayed by quite a while. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's the eighth of November now, and they've just released, you know, two point two. I think I think expecting another release before the end, even any one more release before the end of the year, is optimistic at best. I think fictional is probably more realistic. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think based on progress so far, I mean, I think everybody's coming to the conclusion uh, it's between. Uh, I don't know, maybe April and July next year when the season will finish. But um, like I said, there's a lot of fan speculation. speculation. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fan speculation about that, which uh, <laughs> we, we we never do on, on live radio. We only deal in cold, hard facts. Really? So I'm on the wrong podcast. <laughs> you can fact off as far as I'm concerned. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry about that. Right. <laughs> 
Well, uh, I don't. I don't think there's anything more we can really say about that. I mean, the quality has uh, has improved, especially in my opinion with the missions. So, uh, yeah, the I think it's it's that I'm finding it in that weird time with Elite at the moment where I I notice that something doesn't like feel quite right or quite the same, and then I'm thinking, has it always been like that, or? you know, and I've just not noticed, or is this actually different? I've got that kind of, you know, I've got that kind of slightly weird feeling. So one of the things I've noticed, because I've actually been doing a lot of stuff recently on uh, planet surfaces, I've been doing lots of skimmer destruction missions and, mm-hmm. and uh, driving around an SRV, you know, because I'm finding the materials more and more useful. So I've been trying to drive around and look for rocks and stuff. And um, one of the things I've noticed is I have much fewer incidents where I can't land on a surface by which I mean like when you're you're trying to land and the 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 landing meter says yeah yeah this patch of ground is absolutely fine and you boost down and just it refuses to just lock with the surface and you have to sort of take off fly somewhere else and try landing somewhere else I've not had that happen at all since 2.2 dropped oh so I don't uh... know if that's a coincidence or if that's a genuine fix it sounds like a fix. I know what you mean um, because I've had that where you know only a couple of times where you've got close to the planet and you haven't been able to land. Yeah. Uh, but even though you know it's just you, your your ship's blue, which indicates that you you can. But um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. I think that's one of the ones that are, that has gone under the fix list. That, you yeah. know, we don't have to worry about anymore. <laughs> which is nice i mean that's the thing is there's sort of lots of little things that are, it's easy not to notice um when all of this is kind of going on um, oh ben, ben you're saying that there is a fix about that in the notes at the moment um as i remember during one of the betas they made a post about changing the ordering of showing you when you can land which would basically fix that problem okay cool um, off of that is going totally off memory. Don't ask me to cite yeah. it. I'd have to draw through the the <laughs> posts and everything like that, and I really can't be bothered. So I'm going off a very flawed memory, but I think I remember something. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, Ben, have you noticed any of these little uh, little things? All I've that been have... doing has been jumping from A to B to C. Although I can say, <laughs> I I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to whoever it was who implemented the filter to the route planning. I love <laughs> that filter. It has saved me no end of hat problems. It has been great being able to go and say, okay, I want to go here. Oh, and just go and, oh, be a fine girl, kiss me. Right, I will now actually be able to jump and get there without running into, like, ten red dwarfs in a line that I can't go and scoop from and then I end up like with about two jump two light years range thinking shit I'm gonna have to call the fuel rats out and I'm like 20 light years away from anyone (laughs) so that made my life so much easier getting back from Colonia yeah and I must admit that there's a lot of uh, quality of life fixes and just smoothness um, really has made the jump from 2.1 to 2.2 really nice. I mean, I know there was an awful lot of beta testing, and I know that the passengers' missions still does seem to cause a little bit of a headache. 
master of understatement there. Uh, I don't think I don't think Foz and Grant have actually uh, recovered from the grant from the rant that they had last week. <laughs> you two, you two were lucky you, you didn't you didn't have it in your ears all the all the. Uh, <laughs> all the... I I did listen to it. I didn't think it was that bad a rant. It seemed very reasonable to me. I haven't had a chance to catch up with it. What happened? Oh, no, I don't oh. see what happened because people nope, no, spoilers. probably have heard. <laughs> I, don't think I, was we'll keep... to, I was talking to a friend today, though, and it's a friend who they haven't quite caught up with playing Elite Dangerous yet. And I was sort of talking about, you know, they were sort of asking whether now is a good time to get into the game. And I was saying the, the thing about Elite Dangerous is you can kind of mark the quality that it's got to by the things that the moaners complain about. So when the game first came out, the moaners complained about the fact there wasn't any gameplay. It was just a big universe and there wasn't anything to do. Now people are complaining about very specific details of all the many things that there are to do. So I sort of feel like Elite Dangerous must be, you know, better purely on the basis that now people are complaining about the things that are there rather than things that aren't there. Yeah, I'd say that's a good point. Uh, I mean, <laughs> um, I must admit, a lot of people were complaining about the the U. I remember the, the complaints about the USSs and uh, the the fact that the mission system didn't work on and, and, th- and whole things like rasta things like that. And since two point one came along, and there were a lot more signposts to what was in a USS and where uh, specific items can be found, and you know the mission structure seemed to be an awful lot better. I think. Yeah that just those little things um, has caused an awful lot of that main um, galaxy-wide inch-deep feeling to go away because people now realise that there are other things to do. Ben? Just wondering, I mean, I don't remember this is going back into the beta, obviously, but they really improved the tutorials. And have you guys had a chance to replay through the tutorials? Oh, yeah, I mean... It's beautiful. Yeah, a, a couple of yeah, a couple of weeks ago, um, Foz asked us what was the high points, and my high point we were allowed two high points each between me and Grant. Uh, Grant <laughs> went for passenger li- missions and um, I think improvements to the galaxy map, while I went for obviously fighters, and also explained about those new missions, uh, the training missions, which I think um, reduced the um, what was it, the learning cliff no longer is a learning cliff it's more like more like a learning curve uh, i think they've learned a few lessons on uh, on how to ease people into the game so if you are a new commander i personally would recommend you run through those missions first because it will save you a a lot of frustration if you just launch and b a lot of time if you are looking up youtube tutorials <laughs> even if you're not a new commander frankly i found the stuff to learn Yes, and oh. yeah, and it's actually a nice little noob story, which I liked as well. Yes, I th- I thought it was uh, yeah, uh, it was a worthy addition, and in my opinion, I think needed a little bit. Needed yeah, it's been a, a long time bit. since I've looked at it. It's been a long time since Def- I looked at it, to be honest. To tell After you the, the truth- show or something, have a play, or during the show, yeah. have a play. Yeah, I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, that would be an ideal thing for uh, a demo, you know, chop that off, don't allow them access to the full game, but for if people want to learn <laughs> how to play Elite Dangerous, let's let them run through those those four or five tutorials, and I, I guarantee by the end of it, anybody who has played any of the old style games of X-Wing, um, or 
just want to be introduced to a decent space uh, space simulator, um, I think would be hooked, personally. Oh, cool. So, yes. Um, okay, moving on. I think our main description is that even though that we're, we're piling on heaps of praise onto Elite Dangerous at the moment, it's, it's not, um, how shall I put this, it's not universally accepted at the moment, is it? I've, I've because, noticed a lot of weird bugs. Yes. Uh, and this, unfortunately, is mostly to do with the engineers and the, the engi- specifically the engineer commodities. That seems to be the main rant at the moment. Well, that and passenger missions. Um, oh, I, so, I, can, I can have my own rant about entirely different things. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, I mean, um, Ben, you've had a... a a good look at this uh, how shall I put this the rant is entitled Just Died I Am Leap Done Frontier Fix Your Goddamn Game now <laughs> when you get people like that putting posts up normally you, you just go oh here we go again another negative review in the Metacritic but when it's actually someone who's played the game for you know a good 400 hours or so has always said that they've really enjoyed the game and they're suddenly putting these kind of things up, then, you know, a little bit of an alarm bell does go off in the head. So, um, have you got more details about this, Ben? Well, it's basically, it boils down to what I would describe as the high-level AI, which is the the AI before it's, you've got a ship in front of you actually trying to kill you. It's the the ship flying around in supercruise deciding am i going to interdict you taunting you saying ha ha i see you 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 nasty thing or oh my god i'm going to run away and things like that so it's all to do with that kind of ai and they seem to have a a tendency of if you have something in your hold especially if it's something by engineers in your hold yeah you know, and even if that engineered substance is only actually worth about 10 credits they seem to want it desperately you know they don't care it's only 10 credits they're just like yeah and you you just basically you become a pirate magnets and which of course sucks. Is, it's good for your combat rating if you want to be a combat pilot because you just then know right i'll load up with with this particular item and and they'll come running at me but um <coughs> Looking at some of the complaints, I think it's mostly to do with the engineer commodities that's causing yeah. this. Even people who are outside the bubble by 300, 400 light years are saying they're getting intercepted by pirates when technically there are not any pirates there. They're getting intercepted by an eagle several hundred light years away. You know, an eagle <laughs> couldn't even get out there. <laughs> you know, it's just like it makes no, it makes, it makes so little sense. And it's because they've got these bloody engineered commodities in them. And yeah. uh, I just, I, I, I don't understand why they're wanted so badly by pirates. You know, if, I'm, if I've got a, like a, a ton or I've got several tons of palladium or whatever, yeah, uh-huh. I can get that or, or uh, painite and stuff. Yeah, I can get... Hey, you've got a, you've got ten tons of painite in your in your hold. I am going to come and get you. You know, it's that would what painite's about what thirty thousand a ton or something like that in it. 
It is, so, it you is know, quite a lot, yes. Yeah, that's a good couple of hundred thousand credits. It's well worth them trying to take me on. Whereas an eagle trying to take on an anaconda, even if you're an elite eagle trying to take on an anaconda, it's just annoying for the commander, and it's suicide for the poor eagle. They would never do it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is something I think Frontier do need to, to look at. Um, it, and there always seems to be something. Um, I think the engineer's commodities does seem to be the big bugbear about, um, you know, when you're starting to grind the engineers. That seems to be the big stopping point. It's the one thing that people give up on. Because they have this um, issue of getting those, in some cases, worthless commodities all the way to the engineer, and they're getting interdicted so much. Um, I, the, the arguments that are put forward in that thread, I, I don't think we can come up with a counter-argument to it. Yeah, offer the thread was deliberately click-troll bait. It was. It actually made... I, I agree with what the point he's getting at. And I agreed with a lot of the comments in there that, you know, yes, it's a, it is, it's the same kind of behavior we've been seeing from, say, oh, the system authorities. You, you know what it's like. You're fly, flying in a wing uh, or you're fighting a wing of ships. You get interdicted. One of them goes off and shoots you, but you have a better bead on his, his wingmate. So you immediately open fire on his wingmate, but he you haven't actually scanned him. So lo and behold, you go and get 150 credit fine, actually 150 credit bounty on you. Yeah. And then the cheeky bugger's gone and got his um, tell local authorities on. So you've got some NPC AI crying to the police for help when he's got like 100,000 credit bounty on him and you've got 150 credit bounty on you. But do the police come in and kill the pirate lords? Do they heck like? <laughs> yeah, I, I, got, I got murdered the other day because I was in a um, I was in a res, and I decided to have a pop. There was an anaconda, and I was in my uh, my little vulture that I'm flying around at the moment. And um, there, there's an anaconda with about uh, like a hundred thousand credit bounty on it, and there were three system authority ships like within within three or four kind of clicks of my position and not only were they system authority but i'm actually allied to the police in that system so i thought <laughs> well if i start if i start shooting at this anaconda those three police are going to join in nah they just sat there and watched me get murdered oh it was, it was a good didn't, <laughs> didn't there are, <laughs> no i will behave myself and not make aspersions to our police <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, didn't Grant have the same thing? He had um, allies, even though they were pirates, and uh, the police came in, and instead of uh, the pirates didn't bother to help him, even though you know he'd, he'd done a lot of missions for him, I think mm. that's when he lost, well, one of the times he lost an orca. He, he does lose an awful lot of orcas. <laughs> but I think, I mean... You know, people sort of say, oh, you know, what thing What thing would you change about the game? I think the one feature that I'd like in Elite Dangerous that isn't there is the ability to signal locally and say, 
I need like, you know, like a little radio burst that says I need help and for local NPCs to respond to that. And whether that's additional pirates thinking, oh, someone's broadcasting an SOS, I'll go and join in and attack them. Or whether it's local authority saying, oh, actually, you know, someone's in trouble. Maybe we should go and look at this. But it's almost like you want to be able to message NPCs and say, come and join in this fight. Yeah, I mean, there used to be a in Frontier. There used to be a, a, a send SOS or a, or something like that mm. message that, that you could you could broadcast out. Uh, but if I remember rightly, nobody ever came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's obviously the sort of thing that needs to you know not happen. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I just I just feel like it would add quite a lot of depth to the game to be able to to kind of give. I'm not really talking about giving NPCs instructions because that implies they work for you, but to send out messages that can influence the way the AI reacts to things. Yeah, I mean, uh, for um, pirates out there who have, have recently had quite a boost with these uh, shield-proof hatch breakers, um, they have been requesting for quite a while uh, some kind of challenge uh, to NPCs, you know, a kind of like drop your cargo or... or stand and deliver and, or those kind of messages to send to people instead of just opening fire willy-nilly. Yeah, which um, was in the DDF proposal for piracy. I mean, that was how it was going to work. The, the, the original DDF proposal, if I mm. recall, was that you're... Because you were going to get like an elite rank as a pirate, which obviously didn't get implemented. And one of the things was that you would only increase your pirate score if you challenged the person first and tried to get them to drop their cargo before opening fire. I seem to remember that was an element of it. There was going to yeah. be this thing where you were going to declare piracy. Um, and then it would, and then anything that you gained from that would contribute to your piracy rank. Because mm. the, the other thing was that the, one of the suggestions in the DDF was that your score as a pirate, what would give be deducted from your score was the amount of damage that you did to ships or cargo while pirating. So a really high-scoring elite pirate would be someone that got loads of cargo and killed nobody. And a really rubbish pirate would be one who opens fire on their victims and destroys their ships and damages cargo in the process. Mm. Maybe should, I think we lot, should. Yeah, Go I think on. a lot of people would agree that that would be a more rewarding <laughs> style of gameplay. I'm not going to rag <laughs> on, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to rag on the, the pirate gameplay in the game, but I just think for me, you know, it doesn't work. Um, mm. Well, I must admit, as as someone who has um, experimented in, uh, let's see, wealth redistribution, um, <laughs> uh, I must admit these um, hatch breakers, when you fire them off, um, they now have implemented, um, or oh, what was it, the, the point defense can now shoot down those particular um, hatch breakers where they couldn't before in the beta. Uh, so you normally have to use a couple a couple to get some booty out of there. I think the one problem that I do have is, is again, I think it comes down to the, the AI, is that if you are there in a, a multi-weapon bristling Ferdilance and you fired one of these things off against, say, a Type 7, the Type 7 will turn around and, and uh, basically try and take you on. When, really, you think about it, you know that... a, a, a if the pilots are the same, the Ferdinands will wipe a Type 7. In fact, I, th I think 
I don't I can't see of any way that a Type Seven could beat a Ferdinand's, except if it, it rammed it head on. But it, it just it just doesn't make sense for the AI, especially if you if all you've done is is hatch break it. It doesn't make any sense for them to turn around and fire on you, because you know that you're going to destroy them anyway. Mm. Still, uh, things things to highlight. I mean, I, th- I mean, it goes back to the point that you had before, Chris. Uh, people were um, people before were complaining about the fact that there's nothing to do, and now yeah. they're complaining about. <laughs> they're complaining about things that are there. Absolutely. So yes, so I mean the, the progress other- of a sort. It is, it is progress, and when you think about it, it's come an awful long way, because this week, um, it was been highlighted, thanks to Mike Snods, who's, who's, um, who's posted it all over Facebook and on uh, on the forums themselves, um, it's actually four years to this week since the Kickstarter happened. Yeah, there's been a lot of that on the... Uh, on Facebook. Yeah, 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 and all, I've, all that's got me is sort of, wow, those four years went fast. <laughs> <laughs> At times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's weird because we've, we've had the, the, the game release for two years. Um, yes, it so, is. You know, it's hard, to imagine, it's hard to imagine now that there was a, a two-year wait between the finish of the Kickstarter and actually getting the release version of the game. Although, of course, we were playing like the pre-release alpha and stuff. For like best part of a year, mm. um, not only that, but we were doing you know crazy things <laughs> like retrolave. <laughs> <laughs> that helped, that yeah, helped the months. Yeah, that helped the months fly by. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, well, yeah, retro retrolave is where we started, wasn't it, Ben? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, I enjoyed doing my retrolave. That was good fun. It was good. Yeah. So I mean, uh as the game stands, is it is it close to what you're expecting? Who are you asking? Yeah. Both of you, it's an open question. I, I I think so from my point of view. I think it's um it's probably exceeded my expectations. I think it's done pretty much everything that I expected it to and wanted it to. Particularly recently where you've got things like you know, there are much more emergent missions appearing. I mean, they're still a little bit you know, unsubtle, but I mean, I can be flying around a system doing some stuff for a while and then I'll just get a mission that pops into my inbox saying, by the way, we're at war, can you go and do this for me? So I kind of like the fact that the game systems are approaching me and trying to engage me in some kind of local local business. Um, I mean, all the stuff with, you know, I personally think all the SRV gameplay on the planet's surface is, you know, is fantastic. Um I think all the the kind of the combat and the trading stuff is is really solid. I think where my I think where my expectations have been you know sadly met <laughs> is that my most of my concerns about the game being completely open and free multiplayer have all come to pass. You know I feel I feel a bit like the kind of you know the Remain voter who kind of said all this stuff is going to happen if we vote to leave and then we voted to leave and then all this bad stuff has happened. And then people are saying, well, we kind of told you it'd be bad. I sort of feel it's a little bit the same way in that I thought that there would be problems with unbalanced multiplayer in Elite Dangerous in multiplayer. And Mm -hmm. there are massive problems with unbalance uh, in multiplayer. And I think it's just, I think it's endemic across open 
role playing type, you know, multiplayer games. Um, I think the I, my personal feeling is, and I know I know that I rag on multiplayer quite a lot, um, but my personal feeling is that the only games where PvP really work are either ones where the player base are mass heavily policed into like different areas depending on their ability and their loadout and their their riches and stuff like that, or when you've got something like, you know, um, and there's something like Counter Strike where everybody who comes to the game is essentially playing the same game. And they, you know, the, the, the imbalance between players is really good players playing, in my case, not very good players. But you accept it in Counter-Strike because you're all, you're all playing essentially the same game. I think for me, the problem with Elite Dangerous still is that you've got a multiplayer environment where everybody is playing or wanting to play very different games. And all you've got in multiplayer is a situation where people are just getting in the way of how everybody wants to play their game. And for me, that's 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 the biggest sadness of it, that it that you know there are some really obvious imbalances about multiplayer, which are things that need to be in the game design from the ground up. They weren't put in; they still haven't been put in. I mean, I was musing today about the ship-launched fighters because the ship-launched fighters was meant to be a thing, partly just to give some people some fun. And I appreciate that Ben's saying he's really enjoying having a fun little fighter when normally he flies his anaconda around. But really what we're talking about with the ship-launched fighters was a way of giving a trade vessel a fighting chance against a pirate. Now, if that's the case, and that's what the ship-launched fighters are for, why on earth are we giving ship-launched fighters to anacondas? What additional guns does an anaconda need? It doesn't. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, Speak for yourself. My, My trading anaconda definitely needs guns. Okay, well, if you've got, yeah, if you've got a trading anaconda, but I mean, you know, it's it's big enough, it's got enough hard points, it's, you know, it's the kind of thing that you, you're more likely to get pirated in kind of thing. And I just think, you know, that there's not, I, I, I just think that there is still this friction between people who want to be traders and people who want to be pirates. And the reason there's so much friction is because it's a it's a still a losing game for the traders and it drives them into private groups and into solo. And then the people that want to be pirates are unhappy. And I think that's still the case. I don't think I don't think enough has been done to the game to fix that. At the risk of bringing up an old argument which you've already done. Of course it's <laughs> never going to be balanced. How can a trade vessel ever be balanced against a combat vessel? It can't be. And that is the whole point. And I agree with you it sucks for the trader. No, no, but it's, it's not just a case of it sucking for the trader. In the real... Because people say, oh, in the real world, there is no balance between robbers and um, victims, which which is true. There isn't. If I load up my car, you know, if I load up my car with valuable stuff and somebody stops me and robs me, there's not much I can do about it. But we have systems in place in the real world to make it virtually impossible for a person to get away with just stopping me in the street and robbing me. And those um, are the things. Okay, no, I'm is, not going. To, I'm not going to agree there, Chris. I've been walking really? through the middle of Edinburgh. Yeah, you know, I'm walking down a major road in Edinburgh, and I got mugged. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is still crime, right? But actually, it you couldn't. I mean, like you couldn't as a mugger just walk around a busy high street and just stop people and mug them. And even if you did stop one person and mug one person, you couldn't then go on and mug the person standing next to them and the person next to them. You couldn't sit there 
for two hours just mugging people on the high street without literally to the police some sort like of yes. legal you know without there being some sort of legal response and the way the game design was originally pitched was that if you were a criminal you would have to exist in systems where there were no police because the police would not leave you alone but that's not the case you can quite happily fly around and pirate and actually the police response is pretty minimal pathetic yeah, I, well, I, just, I completely I, agree it's pathetic. It's not that it's pathetic, it's just that it... I mean, what you've got then is a situation... I mean, the AI is clearly capable of harassing players because this guy on Reddit was complaining that he got interdicted like 20 times just because he had a couple of bits in his hold. Why is it not that as soon as you are wanted in a system that you are continually interdicted by the police over and over again until you're forced to leave? Well, that should be how, that should be how it works. You should be driven out of the system by the by the police. Well, actually, I, I agree with you um, to that to some point, uh, but then again, we'll go, we'll we'll start getting people complaining that oh god, it's, it's impossible to pirate anymore and and things like that. Although I do agree that you know the, the ship killing uh, issue that we've had with uh, say, for instance, smiling dog crew attacking the Mobius group. Uh, I mean, yeah, that is that is something that really, really needed a, a stronger response from the from the AI in order to to discourage that kind of player killing just for the for the fun of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, you've got different problems. I mean, you, I don't think you can legislate against players not being nice to other players because that will always happen. And you know, um, I I just think that's what the block button is for. And, you know, you just kind of move on. But I think that it's like you were saying earlier about the fact that you can, you know, if you're in like a, a, a red zone and you pick up a 150 credit fine, the police will just murder you. And there isn't there isn't like a scale of crimes. And I think that in terms of PVP, if you illegally completely destroy another player, that should be like the GTA equivalent of like a five star bounty. And that means that you are wanted in that system and you are never, you are never, ever not wanted again in that system. Or, you know, or with that, with that, you know, um, faction that rules that system, you should always be wanted with them. That's, that's, that's the way I think it works. Uh, Until you get courts and things like that, I'm assuming. Yeah. Not till the end of time. No, there's got to be some sort of, there's got to be some sort of system. But I mean, I think, you know, waiting a couple of days for your bounty to run out isn't really necessarily sufficient but i don't think it should be the same as like you know if you accidentally shoot another player and you end up being wanted because you've you know you've shot them and done like five percent shield damage that clearly needs a different level of response um getting caught for smuggling needs a different level of response all these sorts of things but i just think it's you know it is it is a literal free-for-all and not and not everybody wants to play a free-for-all so i don't think you know, for people who are on, for players who are still unhappy, and I get that there are still players who are unhappy about other people choosing to play in private groups or in solo. I still feel that the game does not do enough and has never done enough to encourage people to stay in open. Mm. Because you oh. play in open, you you know you've you've you know it's like there was a thing the other day where someone said, um, you know, basically the game is if you're going to play in open and engage in PvP. Just get a fertilance. That's what everyone else is flying in the PvP game, and that's really boring. And I think, 
you know, I think it's a shame that you can't play the game that you want to play in open. I still think that with Elite Dangerous, if you really want to do the go anywhere, play how you like style of game that Elite is famous for, I still think you have to do that in your own private space. Okay, well, right. I I do, and to an extent, I definitely agree with what you're saying, Chris. But on the other hand, I've just flown in, well, to hut to where am I now? I think I flew into Wolf Twenty Five in open with around about a week's worth of nav data, so about ten to fifteen million credits worth of nav data. And I was in open, and anybody could have been an idiot and taken me out if they wanted to. But I deliberately winged up with Commanders Smokey and uh, Marshall to help me in case any human or NPC AI decided they wanted to have a go. Yeah, so, you know, I'm... I, I get that. I get that. And I get forcing people to have to play in wings is an element of the game design in order to try and balance the kind of bullying problem. But I mean, you know, that's where, you know, if, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to be able to gather some people together and say, hey, come in the game and wing up with me, that's that's all very well. But I've when I used to play in open, I was having a problem with a particular player that kept targeting me and attacking me. And I, I obviously respawned at the station. And there yeah. were probably, it was a pretty busy system. There were maybe seven or eight other players in local at the station and i put a message out in local saying hey guys i'm having i've got a pirate that that keeps interdicting me uh anyone want to wing up and go and kind of deal some justice or or you know help me actually get some credits no one was interested Mm. no No i I deliberately yeah and i i deliberately arranged beforehand with marshall and Smokey to meet me out in the sticks and that, I mean, I agree. I think it, it sucks that I, I shouldn't have to go out of game to arrange with people to meet up with me in the middle of nowhere. It would be nicer if I could have done it all in game. And I would love the ability to. I think one of the things I've always wanted, for example, is the ability to raise a mission saying, please escort me from here to there. You know, and for a human player to actually pick it up and fly escort for me and get get my money yeah but then yeah. you're i mean this is sorry this is turning the episode into mm. something completely isn't this is meant to be a retrospective of two you know two to four years of <laughs> playing elite and we're kind yeah. of sticking on this, this this one negative point but i think the, the problem with that is that you're then turning it into a game that you have to wait to play until your friends are also available or you're turning it into a game where you have to sit and wait for a player to take on your mission in order to be able to escort you and really the concept of, and I know this is what Frontier want, because when I've spoken to the devs, you know, this is the core principle behind the game, is the ability to go anywhere and do anything you want whenever you want to do it. Yeah. So I think creating a situation where you have to wait for other people to come and play with you or, or wait for missions is, is counter to the design. And the problem is, and as I've always said, if you create an environment where you can go anywhere or do anything, the last thing you want to do is be online with other gamers. Because probably more than half of them are tossers and it's the old i'm I'm sorry chris that is a horrible thing to say no but it's true it's not true it is absolutely true no way are over half of the elite community tossers (laughs) okay even smoke is not i did not i did not say elite community 
Okay, even I'm half talking, of all I'm the gaming community gamers. that I'm aware of. I'm talking about gamers who just fire up the latest shooty thing and want to just go I wouldn't into even say that half of COD player are dicks. <laughs> okay, I'm using hyperbole. I do acknowledge I'm using hyperbole. But my, my point is that it's like the thing about uh, that I used to say about um, if... You know, if me and another person want to play a game of chess, we can sit down in a room with a chessboard between us and we can play a game of chess. If a toddler walks into the room, your game of chess is over because they want to pick up the pieces of the board. They want to kick the board off the table. They want to take the little towers away and play castles with them or whatever. It is simply not possible to play an adult game of chess with a toddler walking freely around the room. So what you do is you either take your game of chess into another room and play it where the toddler isn't, or you take your toddler and you put them in one of those, you know, like playpen things so that they can't get out and ruin your game of chess. And that's the way I kind of see open multiplayer. It would be but lovely. But things be that just... elites actually let you do. You, know, you exactly. can go and play in the Mobius group or in exactly. the Commander Thane group or whatever. Exactly. Uh, and also you've got shadow banning as well. You know, yeah. So I see a shadow banning as no ghosts in the naughty step kind of idea. Yeah, I, but I just, you know, I don't see, I, to this day, I don't see the value of open for, you know, anyone other than people who just want to cause trouble. Okay, but well, seeing as I play pretty much exclusively in open, I take offence to that. Excellent. <laughs> I, but to be fair, I kind of I'm feeling bad because we've done this discussion a lot, and I kind of feel like I didn't start it. No, no, we're sort of, <laughs> no, I know, I know. We're sort of talking about you know we're talking about the game design, and we're talking about you know looking back at, at two years, two years of Elite Dangerous. Um, but I think you know I, I'm kind of sounding really negative about it. Overwhelmingly, my experience with Elite Dangerous is hugely positive, and mm. the people that I have played online with who are the people that I, you know, I choose to play online with, I've had an awful lot of fun with. Um, so they're, they're not a bunch of nasty, horrible ten-year-olds, I'm assuming. No, they're awesome. The people I play with Excellent. are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I wasn't expecting that kind of reaction, uh, to be honest. <laughs> no, I kind of, sorry, turning, we're turning into like, with, this podcast is... We're a bunch of forum dads again, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we're turning into grumpy old men. But I just think, you know, I, I I still think and I still believe, and I don't know if I'm still just believing in something that's impossible, but I still think that there is a game design solution which would get everybody into open and actually make it work, which would allow you to be a pirate and to murder people when it's, you know, when it's an appropriate situation, but that there would be enough systems in place to stop it being all you did all the time. Just, just, Taking just, what I just, said... Do you understand where I'm coming from with that? I totally understand where you're coming from, and I agree. But, okay, taking what I said about, you know, you don't want to maybe wait for a commander to sign up to your thing. But what happens if I go and raise a mission to hire somebody, and if, say, a human doesn't respond to it in a small period of time, then I get a bunch of AI saying, well, I'll come and do your job for you for, for a 1,000 credits or 10,000 credits and so on. Without well, wanting increasingly I've, better solutions? Yeah, I mean, I've been wanting AI wingmen that you can hire since since day one. Since day zero, and, yeah. Yeah, and the reason, you know, the reason that I'm kind of, I suppose I'm kind of frustrated about it, <laughs> again, is actually, in a sense, 
AI fighter, AI launched fighters was sort of meant to be the wingman solution that we were all asking for. You know, this is what we've been given in response to the feature request for hiring wingmen. Right. Uh, and I, and, 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 in, and in absolute fairness, because of the state that I have got myself in with the game, it's a very sad story. I decided that I wanted, I was, I was tired of trying to get bounties in my Asp Explorer. So I thought I'll buy a vulture and I will do bounty stuff in a vulture. And what I've managed to do is not only lose my insurance payback for my asp so i can no longer take my asp out i only barely have enough money to cover the insurance on my vulture so it's been going very badly so at the moment i am not in a position to experiment with ship launched fighters and you know maybe 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 it is as good as hiring a uh, an ai wingman i you know i didn't i didn't find in beta that it tipped the balance in most fights i got into significantly um, well I'll have to interject there because uh, I I have been using these ship launch fighters for the last week, week and a half. And to tell you the truth, it's completely revolutionized uh, how I fly my T9. I I now feel secure enough to take my T9 into systems. I never would have had a chance to when the new AI came in in 2.1. I I think they, they really... I mean, I know what you're saying because... What you're both asking for really is looking for group functionality in the game where you can, you know, you put out a call on a bulletin board for uh, people to wing up with uh, and say, right, I need I need escorts. Uh, And if you can't get human escorts, hiring AI escorts would be the next best solution. Mm. But um, or a better solution. That in my yeah it depends on yeah, it depends on who you're hiring. <laughs> um, I mean the main thing is, uh, I mean I don't even know if they've got any any plans to implement that kind of functionality anyway. But as a stopgap until something like that comes along, I think these these fighters are more than adequate because they they're really there for the big ships that get outmaneuvered and outturned uh, by by the smaller ones. Um, there are a, a number of times where a, a much smaller ship like a Diamondback has taken my T9 apart, mostly because the turrets. It finds the blanks, uh, the the blind spot in the turrets, and and that that's it. It just hangs in that blind spot, and you know you might as well just yeah. write write off your your T9 right there. But once you because you've got a, a fighter, and even the AI fighters are good enough um, to deal with uh, covering that blind spot, it, it just completely gives you that sense of security that you can go into an anarchy with a massive T9 and have a reasonable chance of success. And also, the one thing that's very useful about this is that they are completely disposable. You don't even, you lose a fighter, you do not lose the pilot. So you can literally say, right, I'm jumping out and abandon that fighter while it's covering you. And of course, the pilot of the fighter still in the hangar bay with the fighters themselves because they're remote controlling the fighter. So because you get about five or six fighters per bay before they restock at the end of the run, you, you, can, you, you can escape as a trader while the fighter keeps the opponents busy. I was going to say, is that, is that what the fighter gives you? It basically gives your opponent something else to, to think about while you make a run for it. Yes, it, it does, and the the main 
reason that it is so powerful is, well, the, the Frontier have designed it so that they are basically glass cannons. Um, you yeah. managed to you, you managed to hit the fighter fine. It will fall apart. Boom, splat. But it will still take you that long to focus on dealing with the fighter that the traders probably got away. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to to counter that, and I'm not like I say, this is only beta experience, and I'm not necessarily saying it's the the be all and end all. But the issue I had was in beta when I was experimenting with the fighters, I got attacked by an anaconda, so I launched a fighter. And then what happened was the anaconda launched a fighter, which then engaged my fighter, and the anaconda just kept coming for me. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a, I must didn't admit, really help. Um, I have questioned whether or not um, the right vessels have got fighters, because um, you, I mean, you're looking at the cutter, the anaconda, and uh, what was it, the corvette? Those are three big major warships. And can be fitted out as big major warships, Ben. I'm really sorry, but they can. Uh, and to oh, be honest, I totally agree. They definitely can. When the, when they've got fighter bays as well, they've become they become a a, a pirate's dream. Oh yeah. Uh, and and that's that's the one. I think that is the one issue, where you know the. I don't know whether they've selected the right ships to handle the fighters. If but you the, see what the I mean. The problem is, yeah, but the problem is like consistency within the world. Because a Federal Corvette is exactly the sort of ship that should have a hangar full of fighters that it can take on missions. Mm. And so this, this is what I mean about how you have to then make compromises to the overall vision of your game. If you're trying to keep some sort of consistency, then you would say, well, actually, the Federal Corvette shouldn't just have a ship launched fighters. It should be able to launch like an entire Luftwaffe of fighters in order to go and, you know... Basically, it's a ship for waging war on a system. That's you know that's what the the Federal Corvette is designed for. So if you're talking about giving fighter support to traders only and not to those big ships, then actually there's an <coughs> argument to say that you're not fulfilling your remit to make the game the kind of do any you know do anything go anywhere kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I, I would. I would say, I mean, you know what, what you were saying about in, in open play, where um, everyone's flying a third of lance? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, from what I've seen so far, the fighter <laughs> the fighter does seem to balance that. You now have a fighting chance to get away. Not to win, yeah. but to get away from a third of lance. No, I get that. I get that totally. And I would just like to give a little shout out because Just in Time, who's one of my um, commander, Just in Time, I should say, is one of my Patreon backers for Escape Velocity. Uh, he's one of the guys I play with uh, in, in in multiplayer, and he's, he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and he said that in that instance of me asking for people to wing up uh, and how he says he says he would have helped out. It's not all bad in open. No, I mean, yeah, um, that's what I, I mean, mean. The people I play with are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, it does go back to what David Braben was saying. He was saying you get one bad player, and yeah. he was saying something like, and I think, was it 10 to 15 other players that will force 10 to 15 other players into private groups or away from the game? Yeah, yeah, traditionally, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know. And, and that's my point. I mean, that's where I kind of joke, and it, that's where it's my perception that, you know, when you play games online, that over half of the players that you meet are unpleasant. That's actually not. That's that's enti- that's entirely a perception on my part. It's that it feels like over half the players are 
are dreadful because you know when you play games and you're meeting dreadful players all the time you sort of then end up thinking well everyone's dreadful and actually like I say it only takes it only takes one or two people to actually really color an experience for you um and you know it's been a like I say it's for me like it's been a long time it's that's the thing for me it's been a long time since I've played in open and actually it might be that maybe the stuff in open's been fixed but my experience of when I played Elite Dangerous in open was so overwhelmingly negative that it's going to take it was it's going to take a lot of work to get me back into open in fact I was having a discussion with somebody the other day and they were talking about um whether you, they should just shut down solo and private and just make everybody play in open. And I, what I was saying was that, that at this point with my relationship with the game, if open was the only option available, it would probably force me to stop playing it. As much as I love Elite Dangerous, if open was the only option, I wouldn't I wouldn't stick with it at the moment. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I mean, I must admit, I, I do agree with you to an extent. Um, I think, personally... That there needs to be, oh, how shall I put this? Um, incentive, you know, was it incentive? Oh, I can't even pronounce the word. Incentive? Uh, <laughs> incentive, there you go. I was going to say incendiary. I don't know where my, I don't know where my <laughs> <laughs> you can Fire get them all. You can get, you can get incendiaries from the engineers. Awesome. Yeah. I but, know, I've been uh, told that's what I need. <laughs> I've been yeah, told you, that incendiary um, multi-cannons is the way to go for a vulture. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, that's one thing that I am working on on the moment. I have, um, I am aiming to get up to an Imperial rank where I can get myself a cutter, no, a clipper, and, and there's no way I'm going to grind for a cutter. And then I'm going to go through every single one of the engineers and get them up to five, because that's, I think, the one way that I, I keep focused in Elite Dangerous is by setting myself these kind of goals uh, so that, you know, uh, last time it was oh this time I think I'll get up to the next um, next explorer rank and then I'll just focus on getting that done until I until you're almost borderline burning out and then I'll focus on something else uh, just to j- just to spread the gameplay around but um, yeah as far as the oh, whole open play thing is concerned um, I do think you need an incentive to play in open play to make it worth the risk because i think there is a lot more risk in open play than there is obviously in private groups and in solo but then again then people will complain that oh you get more out of open that's unbalanced to the rest of us so it's it's not talking about excessive responses actually can i just interject with something that's just happened to me literally just now on the stream okay take a breath first right (laughs) I've been watching a beluga getting destroyed outside of Shinata Desra, mm-hmm. and okay. I just nudge myself forward to try and give the the, the audience a better view. Uh-huh. And I was I, I jumped into um, debug cam. Oh. I watched the I watched the beluga eventually get destroyed, mm-hmm. and then I got destroyed. Oh, uh, um, the reason why? Well, I've just I've I've reappeared back at Galton Gateway to find out that the reason I got destroyed is for loitering. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> another thing that everybody's decided is a little bit more. Um, yeah. yeah. 
it, it's I got I got killed for loitering. It's the it's the Judge Dredd approach to justice, <laughs> really, isn't it? It's the cops that uh, <laughs> that will basically just dis- that will take you apart just for littering. M two oh nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Foz was saying that last week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because they were complaining that they picked up one wanted passenger, and that meant they got attacked for it. Uh-huh. And it didn't matter that there were a uh, hundred uh-huh. innocent passengers on that ship. They just wiped out the beluga, killing the hundred hundred innocents yeah. at the same time. And you know, the, the, oh, there's got to be a, a mechanic in that to stop it. Or there's got to be something. Uh, <laughs> There's got to be something in the a sanction in there against the player to say, you know, you were really stupid. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I was initially a wee bitty pissed off that I died. Yes. Um, and then when I found out, oh, okay, yeah, I died because of loitering. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like an idiot now instead. <laughs> approaching the space station you're flying in and you're going you are under you you have been fined 400 credits and you go what and then yeah. you suddenly realize that you've you've forgotten to request docking and you're backing out <laughs> as fast as you can that happened to me last week i, I think i got my uh, <laughs> i got my t9 out of the docking bay by just reversing <laughs> which <laughs> i think that's the only way to get your t9 out really isn't it yeah, to tell you the truth, the fact that even though the port, I had to guess how far the port had gone round so that I could come out. Mm-hmm. That would, that was, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need wing mirrors <laughs> or, or rear-facing cameras. Mm. I mean, so I, I saw I saw a video today of someone uh, taking on a challenge. They they took off their. Uh, I think it was. Can't remember. It was it was a big ship, so it was either an anaconda or the beluga. They were exiting the. Uh, the Coriolis um, in flight assist off. Oh, right. They, they, they did it sideways. Oh. So they slotted the ship through the port at full sideways thrust. Yes, I saw that as well. And I was there thinking, you absolute nutter, you'll never do that. Oh, you did it. <laughs> I, I must admit that that was, um, what did they call, they call it? Kicking the rancor, which is basically something okay. that you... <laughs> It's, it's something yeah. that looks cool, but the risk is unbelievable. <laughs> so um, one thing I want to ask about with 2.2. So obviously, you know, the, the people have been complaining about specific things like the AI coming after these engineer components, stuff like that. Has anybody else had any weird bugs? Because I've had weird bugs with 2.2. Um, one of what? the things is I am unable to refuel my SRV. So my SRV is gradually running out of fuel and running out of fuel. And when I bring it back to a station and refuel on the display, the maximum fuel the SRV shows is 45%. And then when I return to a planet, I'm back on like 11 or 12% fuel. The only way I've been able to refuel my SRV is using synthesis. Yeah, that's a weird one. I haven't actually seen that myself, to be honest, although I know other people have reported it. Well, they reported it in 2.2 beta. Yeah. Um, and it seems like it's a bug from beta that's now made it into live. Well, uh, yeah. Shame. Um, I'll t- I guess check the bug forum if it's not been reported. Please I know. Report I need. It. I know. I, I, the problem is, I saw on the um, 
the previous post of oh can you submit some images or video of this so mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure it out oh although justin times just said to me in game the fueling with the srvs is a reported bug he's got it uh, so it's kind of awkward right. at the moment because i've been really enjoying the planet side aspect of the game at the moment but i'm yes. sort of feeling like i can't take my srv out at the moment because i don't have enough materials to refuel it now um mm -hmm. and i don't want to end up kind of dead in the water on a planet surface so uh yeah I mean, i'm hoping they you, get on that soon do you do you still get that if you sell the srv and then rebuy the srv you have to sell the entire do you have to sell the entire bay because i went to re restocking and there was no option to get rid of the one i had in stock Oh, not in restocking, but it's in, in the options fitting. menu, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, in, in the outfitting, not not in you restocking. You can actually you can out you can sell. Do you have to the sell SR the whole bay? No, I think you just, just sell, the, sell the SRV itself, and you should be able to then rebuy it back, and it should be coming back okay. with fuel. But I must admit that is that is quite a horrendous bug. I mean, it, admittedly, I've got that many materials I can synthesize fuel anytime I need, so you know I'm not really. In the same boat as you, I haven't. Oh. I haven't even noticed that one yet. Well, I, I've I've only really just started collecting materials in earnest. Mm. Uh, I sort of, you know, I have picked some up over the time of just playing the game, but I'm actually now specifically spending lots of time driving around in SRVs picking up materials. Um, so you know, it's kind of it's it's like, well, do I do I get enough materials during my search to refuel, or is this a game that I'm actually going to lose? Um, the other weird bugs I've had is stuff to do with. I've had issues with friend requests. The game tonight keeps telling me I'm no longer friends with people. Well, you um, stopped being a lot of friends with people, didn't you? <laughs> no, I did. I did. I, I cleared my friends list for some in-game stuff for Escape Velocity. But one of the things I've discovered is that if you're not friends with people, meeting up with them online is virtually impossible. Yeah, because that's one of the that's one of the interesting rules it 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 puts in is if you if you're a friend with yeah. someone, if you're in a wing with someone, and yeah. you're general location and, so yeah and, and you have to basically sit on a landmark for anybody to have any idea where you are because if you're more than if you're more than four kilometers away from them in real space they just they, you know they won't see you um the other the other issue i've had is you know my my reputations with the major factions and in some instances the minor factions keep popping, popping. so yeah suddenly i and, and actually even my elite um, rank so i had a thing the other day saying congratulations you're now competent and it's like well actually i'm i'm 81 percent of the way through competent so i don't know why you're telling me that and then oh. it said your your reputation with the federation is now neutral and it's like no it's not it's cordial so i don't know quite what's going on there no again i don't must... know if that's a known bug or no i must admit i haven't seen that at all i mean i've seen the um the status goes up and down depending on where you are. So, for instance, mm. if you manage to get to friendly, it will then lock itself at friendly unless you do something really horrendous, and then it will knock it down to the next level. Okay. So, at the moment, I'm friendly with all three of the superpowers, uh, and I know if I run missions for one, then that rating will then go up. But a couple of days later, if I don't continue working for them, the rating falls back down again. Um, but I must admit, I, I haven't actually done anything that nasty yet to get it to go underneath the 75% friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, the, and, and, and the other thing I've had, we, we could play a game, we could make this a feature. We could, call it, <laughs> we could call it bug or feature. Is it a bug or is it a feature? Um, 
I've noticed that when I have been doing planet based stuff, because like I say, I've been taking on a lot of skimmer destruction missions, mm -hmm. that having then completed that mission and having got the thing come up that says, well done, you've, you've killed enough skimmers, although that's still a little bit problematic, but nevertheless. So I completed the mission, returned to my ship, took off in my ship, and then when I went to my transactions tab to see where I needed to go back to to pick up the reward, all my missions were missing. Ooh. They'd all just vanished. And it was only when I jumped out of the planet and back into Supercruise that my missions in that list all repopulated in the side tab. What do we think? Bug or feature? Oh, bug. <laughs> I did take pictures of it. I should report it. I should. Yeah, on, on, on the subject of that, I, I will actually say that you might see a video uh, that's been posted lately about someone showing about this hop drive uh, where they demonstrate they're able to hyperspace or do um, a sort of holly hop drive from uh, out of the main stars in Alpha Centauri out to Hutton Orbital. And um, I must admit, it's, it's a hoax. Um, okay. It's a very well done hoax, but I think if anybody um, is thinking that, oh good, we can now jump to any planet whichever we want, regardless how far away it is. Uh, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid it's still frame shift drive and much to the masochistic uh, Hutton truckers relief. Um, yes, that's that one, uh, one and a quarter hour trip to Hutton orbital has not been shortcut. <laughs> oh, that's good. Wishful thinking. Well, I mean, I, I mean, one of the things, um, one of the things I, that I have always, said about Elite Dangerous is that I do think some of the travel times are a little bit too long um, and maybe so being able to select your exit point as being one of the big stars or one of the big heavy objects within that system might, might have been a good compromise but as far as I'm concerned about the whole four years since the Kickstarter thing which we'll just touch on because that's what oh, no. kicked this can, whole can, thing can off you go to ben? Can, you, can you please go to Ben before he explodes <laughs> okay, Ben. I've I've had a couple of people in Twitch who are uh, making a couple of responses to Chris. So, Commander oh <laughs> Fish Sticks, <laughs> which I do really like, is saying it is actually easy enough to synthesize your petrol. The commodities needed for that are quite common, so you don't need to worry okay. about it. Cool. However, he does think that it's only refueling up to forty five percent. So, really? you know, one, one, I've done it and I've gone up to a hundred percent, but then I might not have been, I might have only been at 60 or 70% when I refueled all my petrol. So oh, I'm not fully on. sure about that. Which type of petrol is he doing? Cause there's three levels. Well, there are three levels and you've got your super petrol too. Yeah. So, you know, you could be using your super unleaded or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then Commander Whoever is saying that your reputation won't drop below 75% of friendly. So, for example, if you're 100% allied with somebody and then just disappear and do nothing for a whole year, your reputation will only degrade down to 75%. Okay. okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I thought... Well, yeah, I can understand it locking at 75%, but if you do something horrendous against that faction... I well, I think he is saying, he's saying if you do nothing negative to that faction. Mm. So, yeah, I guess if you go off and murder everybody in the faction afterwards, 
then yes, I could imagine they're going to not like you anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's the that, that's the trigger I was actually looking for. What what does it take to to drop <laughs> to drop my reputation down with the Federation um, or one of the one of the other superpowers? I mean, because it's not going to be the Empire until I get my uh, clipper at least. <laughs> um, right, Ben, did you have anything to say about the the last four years? <laughs> Keep it brief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, the whole discussion that was taking place was: Did you join? <laughs> when did you join? Why did you join? And what are your best experiences? Yeah. And you know, frankly, my best experiences have always been community ones. So yes. you know, my my that very very first LaveCon back in what was it August 2013, Chris. Something like that? Uh, yeah, that sounds legitimate. So, you know, that very, very first LaveCon in... not Oh, where the heck was it again? Um, Cheltenham. It was Cheltenham's Cheltenham, Bar, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, that, the launch party, they've been awesome, and I'm gutted that I, too, will not be able to make LaveCon next year because it's on the weekend of my wife's birthday. So yeah. my wife is okay for me to go and, you know, I get a pass because it's my birthday for LaveCon, but I don't get a pass for her birthday in LaveCon, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, I've got the wedding anniversary. That was the, my wedding anniversary weekend, so I'm pretty much in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far, as far as my response, I mean, the regrets, well, really, there are three. I mean, I, I do okay. know, I think, I think I did back a little bit too high. Because <laughs> no, no, seriously, because well, DDF. yeah, I went to the DDF when all the interesting discussions were over. So basically, uh, by the time I joined the DDF, it was just a whole lot of people complaining about offline mode, and I, I uh, <laughs> wrong time. Yeah, okay, wrong yeah, time. I'm I'm glad I didn't join at the DDF level then. I guess yeah. Um, um, but ironically, my other regret was not being brave enough to go for one of the author packs. Mm. Because that is one thing that I felt that I really missed out on. Because <laughs> I've seen all the other authors go through that, that, the pain, uh, but then the, the, the result at the, at the end of that struggle to get out. I mean, you're one yourself, Chris. I mean... I mean, how did you feel when you your your story is now accepted as part of Elite Canon? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Uh, I should just say for people listening who are confused, um, we are not talking about Escape Velocity. Escape Velocity is still not official <laughs> fiction. Um, but no, I have a, I have a short story in the Tales from the Frontier anthology, and yeah, it's fantastic. You know, having that as part of a uh, you know as part of the official fiction, and I think Frontier treated all of us. You know, for, for for a lot of complaining that has happened from some quarters about, um, you, you know, elements of the way Frontier have worked over some of this stuff, I personally think that Frontier were absolutely fantastic when we were working on those books. Um, they couldn't have been more helpful and more accommodating and more generous in terms of, I mean, because the, you know, the, the Tales from the Frontier anthology, there were 15 writers. It wasn't just one author. There were 15 different people. And Frontier gave us all the opportunity to name something within the game that would help support the fiction of our um, stories that we'd, we'd been writing. And that's yeah. just brilliant. 
and so there is you know there is a, even though i'm not you know awash with money and i don't have the ability to go and buy these things from frontier that that pay my way to to getting systems <coughs> named but yeah. because i've written that story there is a system in game that i can go to that is named after the location that i created in my story and that's that's fantastic you can't you know that's something that i say no one can take that away i mean obviously frontier forget and overwrite the name of my planet <laughs> in some administrative cock up then that would be a real shame but um but no that's you know that's absolutely fantastic and i yeah. you know and it's one of the reasons why i mean people know that i've i've it's been a long road for me in terms of bringing escape velocity back and the issue of still not having a license um but actually i mean frontier are are incredibly supportive they're not always particularly quick moving but they are massively supportive and they are 100 percent on the side of their player base and their community i have absolutely no doubts about that mm. well i mean the final regret was unfortunately the launch party which i couldn't go to because my father passing um oh, that's such a shame yeah uh however as far as the gameplay is concerned and how it's evolved over time, I really haven't had anything to say, to turn around and say, my God, this, this is awful, this will stop me playing. I think I had not regretted one moment of uh, starting that, starting my initial bid and jaunting up to, uh, up to the level I did. Well, okay, except for going that one bit too far to the DDF. But <laughs> out of interest, does your wife know how much you you jaunted up to? Um, no. Does yours? <laughs> she knows my initial That's... amounts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, all, all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say, put it out there, is that if your wedding anniversary is proving to be a problem with Lavecon, just tell your wife between now and then how much you paid for Elite, and that might sort out the wedding anniversary problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay a fine suggestion let's put a pin in it and come back to it later but i will i will agree with ben that i think um as far as the the highlights every single beta and alpha that's came out there's always been something which made you go oh this is going to be fantastic whether it was an alpha 2 we were all shooting each other down in multiplayer for the first time the docking and flying the cobra and alpha 3 um, the actual trading in Alpha 4 and actually being able to hyperspace between systems, which um, I think everybody had uh, agreed that they were blown away by the, you know, the iBooties or iBoots uh, cluster that we all started out in. And yeah, then and, uh, and then the beta uh, phase moving up yet another level with everybody coming in. I think the whole process from Alpha to release to release was actually very well done and everybody really pitched in and helped and of course with season one i think the lua event was the highlight and season two i'm afraid to say i think that the fighters are the highlight so far but then again we've still got half of season two to go so goodness knows what's going to happen so far so and of course, yeah. winter is coming winter is of course coming yes so so i mean <laughs> i I, th I think just from that initial pitch, I have had so much out of this game from um, LaveCon and obviously Lave Radio and everybody in the community has been so nice and friendly. I don't think I've come across a gaming community um, quite like it. Okay, we might get a bit of grief for being forum dads from time to time, but 
I, I don't think I've come across a community anywhere which is this friendly. And <laughs> I, I like to say thank you all. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's my one one contribution to say to that one. So what would you say your crowning achievement in game has been? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think actually making it out to the first wreck site. Um, Because I think I was one of the first crashed alien ship. Okay, yes. Which is something I've still not seen yet, actually. Yeah. I made it out to there, I think, a couple of... um, About 12 hours after it was discovered. And just discovering it and just going around it. I mean, I did it in private because basically, or in solo, because I basically wanted it all to myself just to, to pull up the whole atmosphere. But um, to come across that really, really got me. Um, but then again, you always go back to the first time you launch uh, from, uh, basically you start the game from scratch because I started the game from scratch once it went live. And when you when you go on a sidewinder and you launched initially from the starting platform, you launched pretty close to a planet, which looked very much like the curvature of the Earth, or like you see from the uh, uh, the IAS space, the International Space Station. And that there, when you, they, I think they chose the spot, your starting spot, exactly right, because at that moment your breath got taken away by the fact you had this wonderful green planet underneath you and the whole expanse of space and you could see the Milky Way and at that point you just went wow this is going to be awesome <laughs> what about you? Well, when, when Jarvis, you, say you achievement, yeah but when you say achievement do you mean like achievement as in having achieved something or do you just mean thing you've done that's really kind of blown you away? Thing you've done in game that's blown you away you know, what are you yeah, what what in game has gone? Wow. Yeah, do you know? I think just because I so you know I've I've mentioned previously that I'm in terms of my history with the game, I spent a lot more time with Frontier Elite Two than I ever did with the original Elite, just because I was a bit young to fully appreciate it. Um, so <laughs> one of my, you know, one of my overriding sort of experiences of Frontier was I always liked flying around the planet surfaces and getting really close to like the buildings and the surface features. Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing so the thing that's really blown me away in elite partly because it was the style of gameplay that i least expected from the original game i didn't expect ground vehicles um it was it was landing my ship outside of one of the really big ground cities oh yes and then driving my srv into the city and just driving around the roads I'm not even talking about docking with it or anything like that, but actually just driving around in the car as if you are driving around a big futuristic city. I I can't even remember how long I spent doing that. I had such fun with it, just exploring everywhere the roads went. I was using the boost to get up on top of buildings <laughs> and see, you know, see where I could get to. I think, to be fair, I've been playing a bit of Assassin's Creed recently. So every time I see a building, I, my immediate thought was, how do I get up onto that roof? <laughs> so I did a bit of that. I was kind of, yeah, that was the thing that I think, you know, of all the stuff. I mean, the game blows me away on an almost daily basis because I just love the whole visuals of it. 
um, when I was doing some location scouting, because I fly around to different systems when I'm writing Escape Velocity and I choose locations for the episode. Um, but I went into one of the mining rings in um, a system called Beta Pictoris. Uh, and the the rings there, just the way the light filtered through the rocks. I mean, mm. visually, you know, visually, it just it looks stunning. But I think, yeah, in terms of gameplay, and not, not even like necessarily being gameplay or making money or reputation, but yeah, just driving around and just appreciating the size of those ground installations from first person view. I think I just think it's phenomenal. I think they've done such a. I think it's so underrated the work they've done on those ground buildings because there's so much variation in all the different outposts and things that you find. Okay, um, Ben. Ben. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's what I'm just. I guess it has to be that very first time when I dropped into Colonia, and you've got the beautiful purple nebula in the background. Jack's station itself is a very unique looking station. Um, it's right up close to a ringed planet. So you've got like these combination of beautiful, beautiful things. After, a, after I'd basically spent almost a month flying out there. And the reward, just the personal reward I got for showing up there and going, wow, that is so pretty. Mm. Um, yeah. As, as Alan would say, it's a perfect journey moment. Yeah. And it, it was a, it was an awesome journey moment. Um, and then of course, I'm, I'm very glad that fast I was out there. I went off to Sagay. Um, I was actually more impressed by source two, which is the, um, the class A type star, I think it is, or something. It's a big, it's a great big star next to uh, Sage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more impressed with that because it's it's beautiful and it just gets no credit. So you know, I, I I am trying to advertise Source Two because it just uh, everyone ignores it for poor, for Sagittarius A. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that probably is my most proud thing in game um either that or back when we were back as you mentioned lou earlier mm-hmm. um i don't think it wasn't lou but it was the very first federal ship yes. federal cap ship that was being built mm-hmm. um and there wasn't at but at that point in time i i was kind of a little bit frustrated shall we say with the federation because the federation <laughs> basically went off and did me for smuggling so i basically okay screw you guys uh so i, I was okay at, kind of anti-federation and the federation was doing a capital can, ship yeah can i just clarify then were you smuggling though i was smuggling of course i was actually no i well <laughs> i Badly, was I, I was kind of smuggling <laughs> um i mean this is this is taking us back to things that we don't think are fair in game yeah i scooped up some salvage yeah, yeah, yeah. So I personally do not think if I see a see a penny and pick it up, that is not illegal smuggling. <laughs> see a penny, pick it up all day long, you'll have a bounty. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's I don't <laughs> think that's right. Um, yeah. So that I got done for that, and at the point in time, you took a major reputation hit with the feds. So the feds didn't like me. I was shoot on sight, 
with the Federals. And I basically, okay, screw you guys. And I, you know, even though there wasn't a counteracting community goal, I went off and played the role of a pirate interdicting people by myself, because we didn't have wings or anything back then. And I was interdicting people and nicely pirating them. And I'm quite glad I did that too. Uh, I do believe we've got Grant back. Grant, have you got any particular highlight from the last four years? Maybe we haven't got Grant back. Never mind. <laughs> I, th- I think he's just he's just come back to switch us off when we finish talking. I think that's oh, it. fair enough. <laughs> fair enough then. Possibly well, not before time. In that case, we'll just quickly move on to a few um, community um, items that uh, have come up in the last week or so. Um, Ben, you have come across a <laughs> a particular item called Neutron Stars Are Our Friends. Do you want to just quickly touch on that? I will, but Grant is just back again. So, Grant, <laughs> if you're here, 10, I 9, am. I am. I'm here. Uh, yay! Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Comfort break, was it? <laughs> well, not for me, no. <laughs> it's never me that gets comfortable, no, not at all. It was... Yeah, it'd be a nice, a nice seeing the, the the kids appearing out of the blue, and you have to jump on it because we'll never see them again for another year. It's amazing <laughs> what happens when it's one of their birthdays, isn't it? Oh hi, just like pop in. <laughs> Haven't seen you in ages. Yeah, it's funny that almost three hundred and sixty-five days. Wow. Mm. <laughs> so I missed what you I missed. I missed what you were discussing. It sounded like you're 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 looking for memories or something. Was it? <laughs> well. We are beginning to run a little short on time, and <laughs> this is probably the worst question to ask you. But <laughs> <laughs> what has been your one highlight in the last four years since the Kickstarter occurred? Oh, crikey! It, uh, <laughs> that is that's a, it's a big question. There's so much. I know that people, you know, when you think about how much you spent on a Kickstarter. And some of us put in, you know, the minimal amounts. Some of us put in a lot more amounts, and and you you think, you know, now you've got the game. The game is such a small part of all that it's given us. You know, you've got the community, which is wonderful, and you, you know, I'm not going to repeat what Colin went through. Um, I think it has been the conventions and meeting up with people that has really been a highlight. The way that they take to the amount of content that we've been privileged enough to be able to make and share with them and the way that they just hold it dear to the heart and uh, support without too much criticism. I think that's I think that's one of the most awesome things about it. How's that? There we go. That was quick. I think that, that's great. We've, I think we've got three votes for the community so far. <laughs> so that's three or four is not too bad <laughs> so uh, yeah well back to back to this um I'll, I'll quickly touch on uh one of the community corners um everybody i think knows about Corellius io which is this fantastic site which allows you to plan your builds of your particular ships um, how did you pronounce that colin Corellius. Oh, I, I didn't want to say okay yeah, right. It's just a it's just a pronunciation thing. Don't worry about it. You play a cobra, don't you? Admit it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the author of the site has decided to take active, a, a, a break from the active development on it. However, it's been taken over by the Elite Dangerous community developers, and it's been updated to cover 2.2 changes. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, uh, ben, do you want to be able to spell out the 
the web address because obviously I can't pronounce it correctly. <laughs> it's very simple. It's Coriolis, not Coral. How did you even say Moving it? Moving on. Moving on. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Stay on point. It's now Coriolis.edcd. So that's Elite Dangerous Community Developers, I think it is, .io. So Coriolis.edcd.io. Uh, sadly, there isn't a redirect from the old site to the new site. Uh, maybe they're going to be able to get something along those lines done. But obviously with Coriolis.io being an open source project, the other the EDCD community has picked it up. Uh, now that Commander McLeod, I think it is, another Colin, has <laughs> taken a wee bit of a break. Hang on, there's a genuine Colin McLeod out there. His his name, I don't know if his, that's his real name, but his alias on GitHub, I think it is, is Colin McLeod. He does realise there's actually a Highlander film out there with a Colin McLeod. His, that's his <laughs> that's his photograph, Colin. Ah, so that will be a, a, a that yes, right, that will be oh, his. Uh, I, uh, I thought it was Connor. No, no, might be Connor. no, no, there is. An, uh, someone did an anime. They did an anime crossover with the Highlander franchise, okay, where okay. The, where there was a new immortal which they called Colin McLeod, which I thought was awesome for no apparent reason. But obviously, you had me think, an anime Highlander crossover. Yeah. Actually, amazing. Colin, I t his his real honest to god name is Colin McLeod. There we go. Because I, I did I did actually email him back in October, and just I saying was... thank you for your, all your hard work. Look it up, Chris. If you're if you like your cowboy yeah. bebop, then yeah, you'll like that. Sounds pretty good. Yes. And I also think this guy <laughs> should call himself. I don't think he should call himself Colin McLeod. I think he should call himself Colin McLeod of the Clan McLeod because that would obviously be much cooler. <laughs> yeah well well we salute commander colin mcleod for his, all his work but, of the clan mcleod <laughs> <laughs> who was born on the shores of Lochian. no i'm not going to <laughs> the whole thing uh for all his work that he's done on cory olis io is that better Actually, do you know what that has given me a thought because uh, some people may remember from from some months ago we were sort of starting a like a like a side lave radio show that we were calling alt lave and one mm -hmm. of the ideas that we had for alt lave is that we were going to do our own like direct not a director's commentary like a lave radio commentary of a movie so the idea being you could sit and watch a movie and then you could listen to us chatting about the movie with you kind of in real time i think highlander would be an excellent choice what movie what was it science fiction theater 3000 or something like that yeah, I like that, but well, I was going to say like that, but less carping. But of course, there's no guarantee with us that we would get less carping. And I would also just like to take this opportunity to apologise for turning this evening into yet another complaint from me about open play. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to everybody who has endured this episode and listened to it. I will do better. Oh, dear. Um, yes. Well, going back to Neutron Stars. Um, ben, do you want to take this one up? Uh, I, okay, very, very quickly. TLDR, there's an animated GIF. Watch it. It shows you how to fly a neutron star. There we go. Yes. I mean, yeah. basically uh, taken from the side. <laughs> yeah, I've got something, some footage for a, a new top shift showing you how to do it because, um, and how not to do it. So, uh, yes, I'll put that up as soon as I get a chance to. Um, and finally, um, now, this was mentioned in the newsletter 
that uh, there has been a new alien crash site discovered. And it was discovered... Ah, yes. And it was discovered in a fantastic uh, way. I think it took the Canon Group only a week to crack the code, though. So, what's the name of the gentleman who does um, the game design? Is it uh, Steve Kirby, or is that someone else? I think it is Steve Kirby, yeah. Yeah, well, he must be tearing his hair out, because they went through this (laughs) absolutely phenomenal puzzle in about a week. So... There is a cra- there is a crash site that, is, that if you actually go out to it, you will see uh, one of the the alien crash ships, and it looks like it has been in combat or that a combat has happened with several large ships like T nines, anacondas, uh, and so forth. And there's alien artifacts spread everywhere around there. So if you want to scoop your alien artifacts, head there now before it gets completely pillaged. Um, and some of the things. It's, sorry, is this is this a planetary location or is this in space? It's a planetary. It's a planetary location. Okay. Uh, and one of the things that uh, people have highlighted, they have noticed that there are bits of the alien ship embedded into other ships, as if it's been used as some kind of melee weapon. <laughs> so speculation okay. has has been going phenomenal. But how people have managed, how the Canon Group managed to put all this together, I mean, Josh Hawkins has done um, a fantastic guide on YouTube. So if if you look up Josh Hawkins' uh, YouTube channel, Commander Josh Hawkins, I think he's also part of the broadcast. Um, Basically, he goes through the whole process. I mean, originally in beta, there were these uh, probes that were in Sol and Lave, and they would give out codes every now and again. Well, it turns out there were these three probes in Sol, Lave, and Everat, which were giving out codes. And people managed to translate them, and it didn't mean make much sense until someone put it together that it was actually, these codes actually made up what was known as a, non, a nonogram. Now, a nonogram is basically um, how you plot things on graph paper. It gives you a whole load of X and Ys and and basically people were, were pl- uh, plotting it out using um, the, a code that people have dis- had discovered on uh, bulletin boards. So as you can see, already <laughs> I would have got lost at Nonogram. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually showed the map of a system. But the, the last bits at the bottom where the system name should be was gibberish and everyone thought they'd made a mistake until some commander went hang on a second that's braille oh weird wow exactly and they worked out what the braille was and that gave (laughs) the station the the system name as sal 2 so people went to sal 2 where they discovered yet another um of these mystery probes so after decoding that again, they finally worked out that the system that they needed to go to was HIP 174403, and the probe even, they were able to even work out the latitude and longitude. So people went straight there and discovered this uh, unique crash site. So that took them about a week. <laughs> And uh, just like Commander X-Death, I'm just basically in awe 
at how these people managed to pull this together. The, the tinfoil brigades. Whoa, wow. <laughs> why, why Braille, though? Isn't this, what, what, what was this message? Was it an alien message or was it a human message? It, 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 was, um, it was messages that were, were held in code form on these three probes. And you would turn up at a certain time and it would broadcast these codes. Right. A bit like station logs um, do in, uh, in spy movies. Station codes do. Uh, and I think the, the, what they did in this case, it was the Latin alphabet number placing or something like that. And then it ended with Charlie. So they, from there, they, they, they took that and worked out it was a set of coordinates on the nonogram. So they were able to build up the view of, of the uh, Santau system. But of course, there was a bit at the bottom which made no sense. So they assumed that that bit was going to be the name, but they couldn't work out what they'd done wrong until someone said, actually, that looks like a, some kind of braille markings to me. Uh, so it, it wasn't like the other ones where people have dropped hints via message boards and you had to fly somewhere and meet up mm. one commander to get a message. This was something that everybody was involved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do wonder whether or not he's there going, oh, God, I didn't expect them to get it that fast. Uh, <laughs> you'd be, yeah, you know, you'd be amazed how quickly people work stuff out. I remember, I know I talked about it previously, and uh, I think I caused one listener surprise when they realised they had it on their shelf and they hadn't noticed. Uh, but if you have the CD edition of Uplink, you could take the physical case apart and there was all this hidden stuff under the CD tray. And you could then... <laughs> You could then read and it had clues in for the game and stuff. But they included some encrypted files on the installation CD. Um, and they they created their own encryption for it. It wasn't like a known one. Um, it was one that they'd, they'd invented. And I think they were amazed when fans of the game worked out the key to the encryption within about, about 24 hours. I think they had the whole zip file open and all the files out of it and stuff like that. And they just said, we're amazed how quickly you guys have worked stuff out because it's so esoteric. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing that you got to remember, though, is you've got one person coming up with the ideas and entire thousands of people able to bounce ideas up against each other. So oh, you're, yeah, up yeah, against, absolutely. you're up against a hive mind. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so um, moving finally on to the shout outs, uh, Ben, do you want to give someone a, a shout out? Yep, I have to give... Commander, Co I'm going to murder his name, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Could be worse. Could I would say Cohen Leff, yeah. uh, who is part of the. Yeah? Yep, I think so. I agree with you. you you're <laughs> agreeing with me, Cohen Leff. Okay, cool. Uh, from the Colonial Citizens Network, who shipped me an excellent, excellent patch, like, uh, like a proper fabric patch with the whole John to Jack's exhibition and things like that. And it is a, it's brilliant quality. It's lovely. It looks gorgeous. And I just want to thank him for sending that out to me because it's awesome. Oh, excellent. Uh, Grant, do you want to just quickly touch on, on the bike ride? Yeah. Just well, one final time. They kicked off at 10 AM, five men with shivering buttocks and cold fingers. And they finished with, 
very, very firm buttocks and unable to sit down for probably most of this week. Uh, but £3,000 raised for an amazing charity, Special Effects, who followed them in a van. We did a live broadcast on Saturday with them and we had them phoning in with updates as they went. And we had Flossie on her wonderful exercise pedals and they were doing brilliantly there. And uh, yeah, they it was a long, long run and they got it done on their bikes. And yeah, a couple of punctures, um, some small drama. A brilliant day, a fantastic achievement, and all in memory of Richard Kilcoyne, uh, Chris Carpenter's cousin, who passed away a long time back and would have benefited greatly from the amazing things that special effects can do now. And so it's a, a really important charity to, to Hober and to us all because they bring access to gaming to those with either a physical or mental impairment and they will adapt controllers to give everybody that, even playing field for games, although they can't do anything about my docking. <laughs> yeah. So, um, has anybody got any other business? Just quickly. Yeah, actually, well, while we're on the subject of charity, <clears throat> I've had some uh, message in from the Pixel Bandits, which is one of the, uh, I think it's one of the, hot, the Xbox One groups, and they are planning a 24-hour... Uh, stream on the weekend of the 12th and 13th of November in order to raise money for the Birdfordshire and Northamptonshire Multiple Sclerosis Therapy Centre. They have a crazy schedule they've just released with Elite Dangerous, Rocket League, Battlefield, Titanfall, Star Wars Battlefront, The Witcher, Everspace, Ark. They're going to play a whole ton of stuff, so check it out. Go to justgiving.com forward slash PBSB2016. That's Pixel Bandits Strikes Back 2016, PBSB 2016. Also, on another quick shout-out for the Lave Radio Live IRC chat, who are not feeling the love tonight. They're feeling rather ignored after you complimented the entire community and they were shouting at you. Which just goes to show oh. you that, you know, we, we, we do big up the community so much. And who knew the ones following our show were such whiny little bumheads? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, guys. Uh, I told you. If they'd be talking to me on Discord, <laughs> I'd have talked to them. I'm not, I'm not logged into IRC. I'm logged into Twitch chat and I was thinking, it's really quiet tonight. Where is everybody? Yeah, same, same here. IRC. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Twitch tra- chat now and everybody, it was, it's gone dead. And I'm there thinking. I feel, oh, yeah, I feel bad now. Ah, oh, well, I'm no copying. I'm no copying it big style for my backhand. It's a, bit, a bit like myself, Kelly. Yeah, no, we did. So normally, there are four of us, and we tend to cover the majority of the social feeds as much as we can during a show. But it is a bit difficult when we drop a compliment and we've got uh, diverted attentions to Twitch and Discord. Ben, on purpose. Discord on purpose. <laughs> I was yeah. on Discord, and I'm on Discord. So and, I mean, you know, Max I'll... Earth is there, and Orange is there, and Subs there. So you know. <laughs> well, I'll just say hello to Commander Highbait and Commander Paul Archer because they've they've made the effort of turning up at leave uh, with the Orange Sidewinder. So hello to you both. I do apologise to everybody in the Twitch chat room. Uh, well, the Twitch chat room and the um, uh, IRC chat room. I'm sorry, we don't have time. We have run out of time, I'm afraid, for tonight. So I'm afraid that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can uh, email us at info at laveradio.com, Facebook slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, 
And you can even join the Discord chat channel, Ben, by going to tinyurl.com slash laveradio. You can join our TeamSpeak server where people hang out to have a chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Uh, Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday, approximately starting at half eight, and streamed out on laveradio.com.live. Thanks to Grant, thanks to Chris, and thanks to Ben, uh, and thanks to the two commanders that Oh, there was another commander out there somewhere, but I can't remember. His, I think it's Commander Paul Flint. Thanks to everybody for joining us outside Lave Station. So until next time, if you can't do that, <laughs> next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Remember, Commanders, at the end of the show, you will be able to listen to the Galnet Digest by Commander Witherspoon. So stick around after this outro theme. Thank you, and sorry to all those of you in the IRC chat. Galnet News Digest, 8th of November, 3302. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news. Children of Raxler explain themselves. The numbers game. Christmas Carrier's Convoy. The children of Raxler explain themselves. The terrorist organisation known as the Children of Raxler has explained its actions last week, in which Admiral Denton Petraeus' flagship, Majestic-class interdictor INV Imperial Freedom, was set upon by a myriad of smaller vessels. Badly damaged, the interdictor was forced to withdraw. A spokesperson for the Raxler group has now explained that the intention had been to spring ex-senator and ex-lady, Kehina Loren, from being transported to her new prison, Kuntz Asylum. It is not clear if Loren was in fact aboard the Imperial Freedom. In any case, it appears that the attempt to free her was unsuccessful. However, it has highlighted that Imperial ships may be more vulnerable to attack than previously thought. 
The spokesperson also asserted that those responsible for the attempted assassination of Admiral Petraeus had not yet been brought to justice, and that the children of Raxler bear Petraeus no ill will. Shooting up his flagship was just one of those things. The numbers game. Quite a few unregistered beacons have started popping up around the galaxy recently, and many of them harbour unsolved mysteries. It's not clear whether or not these beacons are related to Sirius Corporation's recent drive to launch deep space probes to explore the galaxy. If so, they're not doing a very good job of it, as the beacons spend most of their time gently sleeping in orbit. Every hour they wake up and broadcast a string of numbers and letters, and then fall back to sleep. The numbers appear to represent letters in the alphabet. Some of the number beacons have been decoded. Two of the beacons led to a third alien shipwreck in HIP 17403, planet A4A, at coordinates minus 34, minus 141. This wreck is in a compact area, suggesting it crashed into the planet intact. Intriguingly, it's surrounded by a variety of other wrecked ships. Is this the remains of an ancient space battle? A third decoded beacon led to a community goal, a call from an organisation styling itself Revolution Incorporated, for the delivery of dangerous Toxangi viricide to be delivered to Wright City in the Ellie system. Revolution Incorporated has called this campaign Project Pest Control, with the ominous tagline, They will pay for what they did. Commanders are urged to think twice before helping a revolutionary organisation achieve their goals. There are still beacons whose messages remain cryptic. One in Kaikuma simply transmits the word dangerous. However, another in Takura transmits the word getem boys, which can be used to decrypt a message in the Takura Herald, which reads Takura Planet One Daring Escaped Prisoners. The plot thickens. Christmas Carrier's Convoy One of the largest freight convoys in history will set off this December, bringing food equipment and new settlers to Colonia. The Christmas Carrier's Convoy is due to depart on 2nd of December and to arrive in Colonia in early January 3303, having stopped off at each of the new truck stops along the way. The Earth Defence Fleet, the 9th Legion, the Iridium Wing, SEPP and the Prismatic Imperium will provide security. So far, more than 180 pilots have signed up. The people of Colonia are in sore need of those little luxuries that those in the core systems take for granted, such as soft toilet paper, iron brew and tonics tea cakes. Help make their new year a happy one. Sign up today. And that's this week's Galnet News. We read the Galnet News so you don't have to.